0: Hey guys, welcome to Calvary HSM. We are a place where we want to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. So we hope you enjoy this podcast. <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? Yes. Yes is a way you can be doing today for sure. Uh, what did you guys land on? Did you go rewind button or pause button? So hands up if you choose rewind button. Anyone? Rewind for sure. Um, hands up if you chose pause button. Okay, so rewind. Someone make a case. Why would you do a rewind button? Who's got it? shout out? Yeah, Joe. <laughs> I like where this is going. Again. Wow. Most people I talked to, it was like if I made a mistake, I could do it over. But for you, it's just I'm going to maximize my in and out experience. I like that. What about pause button? Someone who said pause button, shout it out. Why would you do pause? I love that. He says, better to accept what happens than trying to tamper with it, basically, going the ethical way. I was, uh, I was talking to Connor. He, he, he was like, I'm going to out you on this one. He's like, I would do the rewind button all day. And I was like, don't you think that would corrupt you in the end? He goes, oh, for sure. <laughs> I was like, oh, fair play. I, honestly, I'd probably go rewind too. But I, I don't think it would do good things. I would just like become a selfish billionaire and erase consequences. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, yes, sign me up. Uh, anywho, it's great to be with you on this Hurricane Sunday. Uh, weird times, right? We haven't had a hurricane uh, hit ground in California since. What year? Anybody know? 39. Yeah, you guys have been reading up on it. Yes, indeed. Anyone ready for a rainy afternoon? No. No? Yes. yes? yes. What? (laughs) It's all right if you're not. You don't have to pretend here at HSM. Come as you are. I love a rainy afternoon inside. I'm planning on having soup of some variety and probably watching a movie or something. Uh, Or watching a TV show I just started, Suits. Anyone watching Suits? It's like number one on Netflix, yeah. Suits so good, I'd never seen it before, I was late to the party. Anywho, um, if I haven't had the privilege of meeting you yet, let me introduce myself. My name is Drew Walton, Um, oh thank you. Um, And actually, until very recently, my title here at HSM was Associate High School Director. Uh, And my title has changed, but my position has not, so go with me here on this one. Um, Just this past week, pretty excited about this, um, I went from being Associate High School Director Um, to becoming associate high school pastor. I just became a pastor. So pretty exciting. Um, Looking forward to that. So just for the sake of clarity, um, Aaron's not here today because he's celebrating his wife's birthday, not because he's not around anymore. So Aaron is still our high school pastor and we were very excited about it. Uh, But now we have another pastor on the team. So super excited about that. Um, I'm gonna turn in a new direction in a really abrupt way. Anybody ever gone ax throwing? Actually, it's fun, right? Uh, did you, has anyone gone to the local place by the Jans Marketplace? I haven't been yet, how is it good? That's yeah, a small group trip? That's a good move, I love that. Also, there's like an AC situation on this eye, so if I look like I'm crying, there's a chance I'm crying, but it's probably just AC. Um, so about two years ago, JD Lasky got married. Isn't that right, JD? Indeed. Yes, indeed. Team Lasky all the way. Uh, and a couple of us guys got to do like a bachelor weekend trip thing. Uh, and we went to this axe throwing place together, which was awesome. We were out of town. We go to this axe throwing place and we're like signing up for, the it like comes in a package of like this many people. Um, and they're like, well, do you want to do like the special deluxe? And we're like, well, what's the special deluxe? And they're like, you get to throw more than just axes. And we were like, I'm listening. Uh, and so we were at this place where you could throw axes but you also got to throw throwing stars and spears and a knife and a sharpened shovel. That was the most exciting one to me. I was like, a shovel? They're like, yeah, we've sharpened the edge of the shovel into like a blade-like weapon and you throw it. And we were like, sign us up all day. And so we had so much fun. JD, it was fun, yes? It was amazing. Yeah, second best day ever was the axe and other things throwing. Best day was the wedding. Amen. Uh, But here's the thing with axe throwing or any sort of like a precision target sport um, is that Here's the principle. What we take aim at, right, or where we put our focus determines the direction we go, right? Um, Who's um, like in the like driver's ed portion of life right now? Anybody like permitted but not licensed yet, just like starting the education? Here's what I experienced when I first started driving is that unbeknownst to me, wherever I would look, I would unintentionally steer the car Anybody do this? Where I'd be like driving the car and then I'd look to the side and my mom would be like, straighten out the car because I've been like, whoops. Um, And it's just like a principle of life, right? Like where we put our attention or where we fix our eyes, where we fix our focus determines the direction that we go. And this is not just a principle that like exists in precision sports, but this is life, right? Like what you fix your attention on, uh, where you fix your gaze is the direction that you slowly or quickly start to move in your life. And in fact, um, in Proverbs, it tells us uh, something similar. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, it tells us this. It says, where there is no vision, where you don't have your eyes fixed on something clear and definitive, where there is no vision, the people perish, right? So like in other words, if you don't have a clear, firm, fixed vision of where you're going, you'll just kind of float around, wherever, if you were at camp, right, Brian, how we were talking about like the jellyfish, right, like jellyfish kind of goes with the currents, um, just kind of goes where situations take you, and in Proverbs, it says, where there is no vision, where you don't have your eyes fixed on a destination, the people will perish, but it says, but he that keeps the law, or she that keeps the law, the person who keeps the law, happy is he, Right, And so where we put our attention, what we take aim at in life is actually really important because it will determine where we go in life. And so here's what I want to... Uh to you guys this morning. For uh, those of you in the room, wherever you are in your faith journey, maybe you're just kind of like day one, checking things out. Like maybe this is your first time to church ever. Every week we have people who are like, I've never been to church before. What's about to happen? And I always try to be like, don't worry, we're not gonna like pull you on stage and make you answer Bible trivia or share secrets. Like church is a a fun time that we get to have together. But like, maybe you're just checking things out. Maybe you're curious. Maybe you've heard a lot of people talk about God or talk about Jesus or talk about the Bible. And you're like, you know, I wanna figure out for myself. I wanna investigate for myself. Or maybe you're a little further along on that journey and you're like, do you know what? Like I'm really compelled by this. I've been hearing a lot that just like makes sense and I want to keep exploring. Or maybe you're at a place where you consider yourself a follower of Jesus and you're like, I, I want to keep going deeper. I want to have my life take aim and take trajectory at the things of God. Or maybe you're like coming out of camp or at a moment in your life where your faith is like more central than ever before. And you feel like you're on top of the world and you're like, how do I keep going with this trajectory? And here's the reality is if you don't take aim at the things of God, your faith will slowly die. It's just a reality of things are like, if you're not aiming at God, if you don't have a plan to move towards God, if you're not focused on growing in your relationship with God, your faith will slowly die. You'll just kind of like float around, wander around, go to this thing. You'll be interested over here or this thing and interested over here. Um, But slowly or maybe quickly, um, your faith will kind of power down and die and you won't keep growing. And so, you know, it's funny every year at camp, we have this phenomenon of the the notion of the camp high. Anybody at camp this year with us? Yeah, it was slow, like what's he about to say? Um, nothing scary, <laughs> big big wave in the back, love it Skylar. Um, but here's the thing, even like day one of camp this year, conversations were already happening of like, I know I'm gonna encounter the risen Jesus in a powerful way. I know I'm gonna experience life change. I know I'm gonna come out of this camp experience like so filled up, so overflowing, so energized in my faith. But the pattern that I've observed is I have an experience like this and it's real and it's genuine, but but then I come home, I go back down the mountain, I go back to my everyday circumstances. And over time, that just slowly kind of drains out of me. And then I'm sort of apathetic towards faith again. And how do I prevent that? How do I avoid that? Or maybe it's, I have this incredible um, experience of God and then I get home and like one day later, I'm back in an old pattern. And it's like, I'd swore to myself, I wasn't going to do this again. And I did it again. And like, where do we go from here? Right. And the reality is, is that if we don't take aim at the things of God, that pattern will definitely repeat itself. We will drain the experience of God from our life if we're not moving in the direction of him. And that's not to say that he's not powerful to meet us right where we are in any moment, but that's about us and our attention and we are prone to wander away from him. And so basically to resolve or to address the tension of that problem, because it's something that we all kind of feel, right? It's something that we've all experienced. It's a conversation I've had with so many of you guys of this, like, I had this sort of camp I experienced. And you don't have to have been to camp to have that experience. Like maybe you've been in a season of your life where you're like, wow, God showed up in my life in a powerful way, in a distinct way, in a way that I know, that I know, that I know, that I experienced God and I had a closeness with him. But For whatever reason, it feels elusive to me. I can't seem to keep it. I can't seem to hold on to it, right? And God works in rhythms, right? Like not everything's gonna be like exciting, explosive change, Uh, but the belief is we really can continue to deepen in our relationship with God. We really can continue to grow in our faith. Like it doesn't have to drain out of us the way that it does in the past. And so we've created this series. We're in week two of our four-week series, and it's called Don't Stop, Right? Like, don't stop. Like, how do we get into a practice, get into a way of living that we don't stop, that we continue in our trajectory with God, that we continue to deepen in community, deepen in growth, deepen in breakthrough, deepen in faith? Like, how do we not stop? What are the practices in our life that safeguard against that sort of like fallout from what we've experienced of God? And so last week, Aaron talked about don't stop coming to church, like don't stop showing up for this thing that God's designed us to exist in, to live in, that we're one body, many parts, that actually our church functions less well if you stop showing up, right? And you'll stop growing if you stop showing up and letting yourself be in position for God to speak to you. If you stop showing up and sitting under the teaching of God's word, if you stop showing up and worshiping and giving God the praise that he deserves, you will experience that come down. You will experience that draining out of your experience of God, that draining out of your faith. And so his uh, his urgent plea is don't stop, like continue on, continue showing up to church. Like we are one body, many parts, and we need all our body parts together. Otherwise it's a horrific crime scene, right? If we're all scattered about body parts around is never a good sign, right? Usually something traumatic has happened. Usually something terrible has happened. We need to keep showing up. And so the first thing that Aaron taught us about is if we want to continue on in our experience of God in a powerful way, if we Want to continue on in growth, if we want to continue on in deepening, don't stop coming to church. Don't stop being a part of this body. And like if you're visiting us today, maybe you're here from out of town, or maybe your home church is another local church, it's not don't stop coming to Calvary. It's don't stop coming to church. Like God has something bigger in mind than just one church, it's the global church. And so wherever you are, maybe your family moves in six months somewhere else, don't stop coming to church just because you can't keep coming to Calvary, right? Like we don't stop, we continue on. So today, what I want to pose to you is the next piece of that equation, and it's this. If you want to continue that trajectory, if you want to continue to grow, we need to, yes, not stop coming to church, but also don't stop being known. Let me say that again. Don't stop being known. Don't stop letting yourself be known by people in a deep way, in a meaningful way. Right, like maybe you were one of the people who raised your hands and you came to camp and you like made new friendships, right? Like you met new friends and you connected in a way that you haven't connected with people before and you're sharing things that you haven't shared with other people and there's a deepness to it, right? But then there's always that moment where like camp ends and you're like, were we just camp friends? Was that just like a thing that we experienced together and we'll just kind of like leave it there and then maybe we'll kind of like, hey, what's up? As we go through the halls or kind of like, it's like a lesser experience where it's like we had this intense experience together and then we're just kind of like acquaintances who like have knowing looks every once in a while, but camp, right? Maybe that's you, or maybe for you, it was like cabin times. Like the number of you guys that I talked to that it was like, what's your favorite part of camp? And it was like cabin times. And I was like, that's great. That's exactly who's paying you to say that. Cause as a leader, that's like the dream thing to hear. And we love rec and we love all the other stuff. But when it's like, what I'm here is to do business in community. That's awesome. And maybe you experienced that. Maybe you experienced like powerful connection in a place like that. Maybe it was one-on-ones. Maybe it was a one-on-one at camp with a leader or with a friend, a peer. Maybe it was in the spring at Live and Love. Maybe you were showing up and like, how do we do a one-on-one? Or maybe you met at Starbucks yesterday afternoon with somebody and you had this amazing like one-to-one, heart-to-heart connection, maybe with a mentor or a peer, right? Or maybe it was even like you got real with people in a way that you haven't been real with anybody before. Maybe you were at camp with us and it was confession night, right? Anyone remember confession night? Now, if you weren't at camp, us, that sounds like it was like mandatory, tell us your secrets. It was not that, am I right? It was, hey, if you feel prompted, if you have something that you need to share in community, if you have something you need to bring into the light, do it. And the number of people who stepped into freedom on confession night, who were just like, I've never shared this with anybody and I'm dragging it into the light now and I just want to expose it. I want to share it with people. Gosh, I didn't talk to a single person who was like, Do you know what? I got real and I regret it. Right? Like, I didn't talk to a single person who wasn't like, I feel so much of a deeper connection with the people that I shared with. I feel such a weight lifted uh, from not just carrying that thing around by myself. Right? Like, when we get real with each other, when we let ourselves be known, right? Or maybe it's not just camp. Maybe, for you, maybe you're someone who you, like, you joined the worship team in the last few months or in the last year and you forged a connection with the leaders who are um, leading worship, uh, with your peers who are leading worship. Maybe you just stepped into a community that you'd been hoping for, praying for. Maybe you're someone who you were working this summer at Adventure Weeks, right? Like doing a summer jobs with, with a or with just like standard Adventure Weeks um, and you forged these deep connections with people right? Maybe you came to summer nights and you just like got real with people and got deep with people and connected in a way that you haven't had anybody that wanted to go there with you before. And my plea to you would be, don't stop, Don't stop. Or maybe you're someone in the room and you're hearing all of that and you're like, yeah, Drew, that all sounds well and good, but like I've never experienced that. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I've never felt known and maybe that's because I've never felt like someone was interested in knowing me and maybe that's because I never wanted to give that to people, right? Like maybe you're just kind of thinking about it, deciding like do I want to step into real relationship with people? Maybe I've got people kind of like here at a distance and that feels manageable, um, but like is there more? Is it really like a benefit to me to get real with people, to step into a tight-knit group of people, and to be known. Um, And I'm going to tell you, yes, it is of great benefit. That's what I want to take the rest of our time together today to try to persuade you of. But here's what I want to say, is there are so many ways that we can address this question of like, how do we not stop being known? How do we not stop growing deeper into intimate community? But the thing I really want to talk to you about today is small groups, Right like we have something here for you that literally exists to be the solution to that problem of every week week in and week out you have access to a group of people that you can show up to that you can if you're brave, that you can be real with, that you can unburden yourself with that you can cheer them on that they can cheer you on that you can support them that they can support you, that you can sharpen each other Small groups is a huge Opportunity that everybody here has to continue to be known. And so the question is, why are small groups important? Why should I be a part of a small group? And maybe you're already in a small group, right? We're in small group seasons. Shameless plug, I'm the small group's director, so obviously I love them. I very much believe in the power of small group. So let me do this, just if you're, I'm not gonna do any other group than this group right now. If you're in a small group already, raise your hand real quick. Awesome, would you, just give me a thumbs up. Has that been a positive thing in your life? Yeah, it was like an emphatic thumbs up. Amen. Ooh, I think we're getting a hurricane alert right now. That's always exciting. Flash flood warning. My goodness. Y'all can swim. Everyone can swim. Cool. We're gonna continue. I don't think we're in a flash flood zone risk. This is like the scene in the movie where everybody like gets the news and everyone's like, "Class is canceled. Church is not canceled." <laughs> Who you say? We should have done. <laughs> Connor's just coming in hot with the takes this morning. Connor goes, we should have talked about Noah's Ark this morning. <laughs> I don't think we're going to experience that level of flooding. <laughs> Ooh. You guys know when you put like one of those like hydration things in your water and then forget, and it's flavored? Ew? Ew? Yeah. There's lemon-lime. It's nice. Oh, I'm sure there's – what's better than lemon-lime? Straw watermelon. <laughs> Straw watermelon. <laughs> 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 You're like, so many are better than lemon lime. (laughs) But so for all of my friends who said, yes, I'm in a small group, I didn't see a single thumbs down. I'll say that, right? It's been a net positive in your life. And so really, I want to talk to you all and help you to like reaffirm that decision. And I want to talk to everybody else in the room and plead you to consider right? Plead you to consider. So what I want to do with the rest of our time this morning is I want to look at five reasons why being in a small group type of community is of benefit to your life. Why actually you'll be so much better off with that sort of experience. And so the first thing that I want to pose to you is this. It is not good for you to be alone. And that doesn't mean like it's not good for you to be unsupervised because you'll stick your finger into a socket or something like that, like perhaps. But existentially alone right like if you journey through life and you never have close intimate relationships if you never have people um, who really know you right and there are there's like varying degrees of how intimate you want to get with people how known you want to be earning trust is a real thing right like would like healthy vulnerability isn't just being autobiographical with everybody where you like meet someone on the street and they're like how are you and you're like bad and you just like unload on them like that's not what we're talking about but do you have a community of people that are with you and for you and know you, because it's not good for us to journey through life alone. It's just not. And maybe you're in a place where you're like, you hear that and you're like, yeah, that might be intellectually true, but like, I'm good. Right? Like maybe you're in a place where you're like, you're, you're thinking your ethos is, do you know what? Like my faith is just really personal to me. So I want to keep it private. Like, I don't need to like, that's just like a part of my life and it's personal to me, but I don't need to like bring anyone else into that. Like, it's just kind of like me and God is good. Um, and I'm fine, but I don't really want to like go there with anyone else. Right? Like I'll share other things about me. I'll share about like my favorite pizza place or I'll share about like the sport that I like or I'll like send funny TikToks to my friend. But I just like, my faith is just personal. I want to keep it to myself. It's personal. I want to keep it private. Maybe that's you. Or maybe it's like, I just don't want other people in my business, right? Like maybe it's just like, I don't want to like share. First of all, you're never going to show up to a smaller group and anyone's going to force you to share. Let me just say that out the gate. But maybe you're, the story you tell yourself is, you know, I just don't need anybody else in my business. Like I'll just keep it to myself. Like I don't want People to know. Like, worst case scenario, I share intimate information with these people and then they use it as ammo again me down the road. And so I'm going to let that fear keep me from ever risking vulnerability with anybody, from ever being socially brave with somebody who's like earned my trust. I'm just never going to give it. I'm going to withhold that. I'm good. I don't want to go there with people. Maybe for you, it's do you know what? Life on my own, maybe not optimal, but it's doable, right? Like I've been doing fine so far. Uh, I can kind of manage it. it is doable. It's within my abilities to just kind of like keep doing this thing by myself. Um, I heard someone say recently, I thought it was so good. Um, you know, I was at a leadership conference and they said, uh, just because something's doable doesn't mean it's sustainable right? Like you can do temporarily a lot more than you should do long-term, right? And maybe you're someone who you're like, it's doable. I'm getting through life on my own. Um, and I'm just going to like keep going until something terrible happens, or, um, I just like make it through life. Um, and let me just say to you, just because it's doable doesn't mean it's beneficial for you to do life alone. Um, and finally, maybe it's, it's just that, maybe it's, you know what, if I never let people know me, then I'll never let people hurt me, right? Like if, if I never give anyone access to that, those deep parts of me, those like real parts of me, the parts with the rough edges, the parts that like won't play well online, the part that like won't get me any sort of like praise or accolade, the thing that I'm like kind of like, don't look over here, look over here, right? Like if I never share any of that with anybody, then no one can ever hurt me, right? And maybe so, but that's no life. Right? I heard someone say once that when we uh, like enter the world with just like a persona and not our true self, um, that the persona um, can receive praise, but it can never receive love because that person doesn't exist. And if you just walk through the world with a persona, just like a a fake kind of like cosmetic version of yourself and you never get real with people, you might be able to receive praise from people because they're like, we like this about you or we like that about you, but you can't receive love because love only exists between real people being real with real people. That's just what it is right? And so if we look to scripture in Genesis chapter two, right? Like God's been creating all things, right? He creates um, like the sun in the day, the moon at the night, and he says it's good, right? He creates the land. He says it's good. He creates the creatures of the field. He says that they're good. He creates the creatures of the deep, like all of creation. He says that it's good, right? And then he creates the man, Adam, and he says, this is very good. Like he looks at humans, the peak of his creation. Think about this, guys, you are God's favorite thing in all creation. That's a huge deal. He looks at the human and he says, that's very good. That's the best. This I delight in. But do you want to know the first thing that God says is not good in all of creation right here in Genesis chapter two, it tells us this, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for him. That's not optimal. That's not the full life that I have in mind for him. It's not good. And let's think about this, right? Like Adam, God's first human creature is in paradise. What does he have already at his disposal? He's got health, right? He's got a body that won't even decay, right? Like eternally youthful, strong, right? Like doesn't fatigue in the same way, healthy, eating all locally grown organic stuff, right? Like he's got his health going for him, right? What else does he have? He's got adventure. He's got this life in this like garden paradise where he can explore. He can discover, right? He's got discovery going for him. He's got enjoying the good things of God. Nothing's broken. Nothing's fallen. He gets to just like move through this garden paradise and enjoy everything that God designed to be enjoyed. He has a job, right? He's got a job and a purpose. God tells him, hey, your role is to name all the creatures, right? That's a task that I've set aside just for you. So I'm just going to bring you all of the the things I created. And you get to name them, right? Like you have a job, you have a purpose. And you know what? He had his health, he had adventure, he had discovery, he had exploration, he had a job and a purpose. And with all of that still was not enough. God says, you know what? It's not good for this dude to be alone. It's not what I had in mind for his life. He should not be alone. It's inadequate, right? And maybe that's you. Maybe you're like, you know what? I can do this whole thing alone as long as like I'm pursuing like my health and adventure or a job and a purpose. And if I can just like have cool experiences or look really good or whatever, like that'll be enough. And I won't worry about having deep, meaningful relationships with people. And I'll tell you, it'll be the same to you as it was to Adam. It's not good it'll be inadequate, it'll be insufficient, it might be doable for a time, but it's not sustainable in the long term. And like, it's a thing we do, right? It's like a protective thing where we guard our hearts um, from, we'll kind of like dress rehearse uh, tragedy, and so we'll kind of be like, this could go bad, so I'll never like really lean into the good thing, because what if I lose it, right? C.S. Lewis, if you guys know who C.S. Lewis is, one of the most famous theologians, of the last like 100 years, right? He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, if anyone knows that, like, Narnia, yeah, same, love it, so good. If you haven't read it, read it, it's good at every age, read it as a kid, read it in college, cried my eyes out, and I'm not a big crier, so good. Uh, But he didn't just write fiction, he wrote like all of these theological books, like big thinking, like mere Christianity, all of that. And here's what he had to say about vulnerability. Let me read this to you. C.S. Lewis, the mind himself says this, it's a caution. He says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It'll become unbreakable, impenetrable, and irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. It is not good for us to be alone. And in order to not be alone, we have to brave being vulnerable with people. Now, we got to be thoughtful about who we do it with, but if we don't give that to anyone and we don't receive that from anyone, we will be existentially alone, and that is not good for us. Scripture also tells us this in 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, be alert and sober enough, sober mind, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Here's the other thing about being alone, guys. Doing life alone makes you easy prey for life's circumstances and for the enemy. Let me say that again. Doing life alone makes you easy prey for life circumstances and for the enemy. Now, in the animal kingdom, I don't know if anybody like spends time watching like Nat Geo or like Discovery Channel and like those documentaries about like apex predators. (laughs) I've seen a a gentlemanly handshake, like yeah, I've studied up on those. I go to this barber and he always has one of two things going on on the TV when I'm in there. It's either like old Western movies or like apex predator like shows. It's like wolves on the hunt, right? (laughs) You're like, yes, (laughs) love old Westerns. I'm here for it. Me too. Always good. Um, But here's the thing. If you know anything about apex predators, um, they hunt in a really interesting way. Here's what they do. Most predators will go after um, three categories um, in the animal kingdom. Predators will go after the young, they will go after the weak, and they will go after the sick. And usually, what that means is the one who's wandered off from the group or is straggling behind. The one who's alone, who's isolated, becomes the easiest target for a predator to take hold of, right? Because it's just easier to get them. And here's what I want to just propose to you this isn't to like put fear in your heart, but let's be sober minded, like the scripture says young, weak, or sick. Right, if we're doing life in isolation while we're young, weak, or sick, we're in trouble because you are easy prey for life circumstances to get the better of you or for the enemy to come after you. Young, what does that mean? If you're young in your faith journey, which let's be honest, that's everyone in this room. Even if you're like, I'm just checking out Jesus or you've spent your life uh, in a relationship with Jesus, still young, still in the formation period, still cooking, right? Like you're still becoming who you're going to be. And that's an exciting process, really hard sometimes. Am I right, guys? It can be really brutal, um, but exciting, right? Like you're still forming, you're still in the process of becoming and Lord willing, that's a process that goes for the rest of your life. Um, But it's certainly happening right now. If you are starting out, if you're still at the beginning of this faith journey, young, What does weak look like Uh, in your faith terms? um, Do you struggle with doubt? Do you struggle with uncertainty? Do you have questions that you still need answered? Let me just say this to you. First of all, if that's you in the room, um, you are not in the minority, right? Like it's a really healthy thing, a really normal thing to ask those questions. Cause if you ask questions, you get answers, right? If you don't ask questions, if you have questions and you just like, kind of never look for answers and you're like, my questions were never resolved, must not be true. That's a foolish way to proceed. And so we want to be a place where we never dissuade questions, right? Like we collect questions, we do Q and A times cause your questions are healthy and valid and important. And if we don't know what's on your heart, we can't answer that, right? And so if you have questions or doubts, like Jesus, if you look at Jesus in the resurrection, there was a disciple Thomas, and he was like, "I, I ain't sure about this. And what was Jesus's reaction to Thomas? He wasn't like, then get out, there's the door. He was like, come investigate. Come with your questions. I've got time for them. I've got space for them. But here's the thing. If we have a weakness in our faith, if we have doubt, if we have unanswered questions and we isolate ourselves, that makes us easy prey to just drain the faith right out of us. Right? And finally, if we're sick, what does spiritual sickness look like? If you have like an unresolved or an unrepentant sin, like that thing that you just can't shake, maybe it's like, I don't wanna shake it. And so like, if I never show it to anyone, I don't have to do anything about it. And I think like, again, you're probably not the only unique person in the room to feel that way before, like we're all humans, we get it. Um, and I would encourage you to still bring that into the light. But even if you're just like, I, like, I just can manage it on my own and yet you haven't yet. Right? Um, If you proceed in isolation, that is not good for you, and that makes you easy prey. So don't be alone. Here's the second thing that we want to look at. So if it's not good to be alone, and it is beneficial for us to be in community, then the next question is, okay, what is the right community, right? Because you don't want to just like plug in with anybody as your inner circle. You have to choose the right inner circle. J.D. Lasky, another uh, J.D. Lasky shout out, where is he? He's in the room, he's right there. Handsome, are you golfing later? You look good. (laughs) J.D. Lasky always says this, he goes, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? Indeed. Uh, There's another uh, thinker, uh, John Rohn, maybe you don't know his name, but you probably heard this. Uh, He said this, you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Anyone ever heard that? I couldn't tell if that was a yawn or like a, Oh, that hit. It was a yawn. (laughs) I was like, oh, dang, we should talk after. (laughs) Um, You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So what does that look like on its feet? Okay, Uh, if the people you spend the most time with are sports enthusiasts, you'll probably become more enthusiastic about sports. Amen. Or you'll stop spending time with them, right? Therefore, they won't be the people that you spend the most time with. The people you spend most time with are foodies, News flash, you're probably getting into the food scene, culinary stuff. You're like, ooh, I tried this brisket at this local place, right? Like that happens because you spent time with foodies, right? The people you spend the most time with. If you spend the most time with people who are like really entrepreneurial, like I'm gonna build a business, I'm 16 and I've got two already and I'm doing one more, right? Like if the people you spend the most time with are entrepreneurial, you're probably gonna become more entrepreneurial. It will be like, oh yeah, I should think about that. Maybe I'll do this, start this venture, right? Uh, If the people you spend the most time with are critical and really judgmental, surprise, surprise, give it time, you will probably become a more critical and judgmental person. If the people you spend the most time with are dishonest, you will probably become a more dishonest person. Just because it's normalized to you. You're like, oh, I guess like, they were dishonest. Totally fine. They got away with it. Actually seems like it had some benefits for them. So maybe I'll deploy that in my own life and see what happens. right? If the people you spend the most time with are dishonest, you will become a dishonest person. Here's the reality. The people you spend time with affect who you will become. Show me your friends. I will show you your future. And so if you want to grow in your faith and in holiness, but you're not investing in people who are growing in their faith and investing in holiness you're setting yourself up for failure. So you gotta choose wisely who you're gonna spend time with. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 and 34 says this, don't be deceived. In other words, it will be enticing to believe this, but you'd be a sucker if you did. Don't be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. So if you're spending all of your time with people who don't share your values, newsflash for you, you're probably gonna not hold on to those values for very long. Bad company corrupts good morals, it ruins them. And so if you're like, oh, I'll just be different, but these people are my inner circle, I haven't seen it happen yet. It goes on to say this, wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and don't go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. Now here's the thing, we wanna be people, as, as the church, as followers of Christ, we want to be friends to all, right? Like we're not like, those are bad people, I eliminate them from my life, or those are bad people, I'm gonna be judgy, right? No, we're supposed to be loving to everybody, we can be friends to all, but choose very carefully your inner circle. Right, The people who get the most access to you, that is a high honor, a privilege that you bestow, not on everybody, but on a few people. And so you should be choosy of who gets to have that role in your life. Choose carefully your inner circle In um, Matthew chapter nine, we see this from Jesus. It says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and the sinners? Jesus was very pro, like, I'm gonna affiliate with these people who've got some rough edges. They're in the party scene. They're criminals. They're sexual deviants. Like, I'm gonna hang with these people. I love these people. I have compassion for these people. Um, On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice for I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus has a heart for all people. And so we should have a heart for all people too, but don't miss this. Jesus was with his disciples, right? The people who had access to the deepest parts of Jesus' hearts were 12 disciples. And even within that, he had three really close relationships, right? And that's what made it so that he could go and affiliate with anybody is that he had this inner circle and we should cultivate the same in our life. The third reason that you should be known and know people in deep relationship is this. Life change happens in relationship. We actually have it written on the ceiling back there. That's not the ceiling, that's the wall, forgive me. Um, If you look on the ceiling, you'll never find it. Um, Life change, oh look at that, we even got a spotlight cue. Go and check it out later. I mean, you already know what the words are, but it's there, it's cool. Life change happens in relationship. That's like a fundamental belief that we have here at Calvary. And the early church is a great example of this. Check this out. In Acts chapter two, it tells us about the early church. And here's here's what was working. They had this explosive growth. The gospel was going out to people. Lives were being transformed. And here was what was happening. Here was the secret sauce. It says this about the early church. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, so to God's word, and to fellowship, so to being in community with each other, to relationships, and to the breaking of bread. So sharing meals together, and to prayer. That was, the, that was the equation. God's word, community, eat good food together, and pray, right? And it says this, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They were so motivated that they sold their possessions, their property, to give it to anyone who had any need right? Just like the overflow of like the wonder and the amazement and the transformation and the love in the community. They were just kind of like, someone needs help? Great. What can I unload to make way for that person to get what they need, right? It was just an overflow. No one made them do it. it says, all the believers were together. They had everything in common. they sold property and possessions to get to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their numbers daily. Life change doesn't happen in isolation. It just doesn't, right? Like we think like, okay, I'm going to go like monk mode. I'm going to like go off the radar and disappear, right? I'm going to go off the grid and I'll transform. So no one has to see the messy process of like me becoming, right? Like I don't want to show anyone the before photo. I just want to show up as the triumphant after photo. It does not work like that, you guys. You need community to grow. Life change happens in relationship. It just does, right? And so we need to be, if you're like, oh, shucks, I wish I could just like disappear and then come back like a beautiful butterfly, right? Um, you, you can disappear into a deep community that can help you grow um, and then show up transformed to the rest of the world. But if you're just like, I'm going off the grid, I'm flying Han Solo on this one and I'm gonna change myself no. That's not going to work out well for you. Right? Life change happens in relationship. Right? Like we need to get into relationship with each other, into the community of God together. That's where it happens. That's where it happens, guys. And let me implore you, get into a good group of people. Join a group of people who have the same drive, who have the same passion, who have the same desire for the things of God. Get into that group because that's where that transformation is gonna happen to you. Two more. Number four, seek wisdom. Yes. (laughs) You're a great active listener, A+. plus. No, don't be. I love it. I love an interactive crowd. Always feel free to be chatty as long as it's on topic. Um, Seek wisdom. Okay. Getting into a small group type of community gives you access to the wisdom of your peers, but also, and maybe especially to mentors. Get mentors in your life. We have amazing. I'm going to brag on our small group leaders real quick. We have amazing small group leaders here at HSN. If you've been in a small group, you have been blessed by your leaders. I guarantee it. And these leaders are selfless. Um, they're compassionate. They love you. I'm the one who gets the phone call from them gushing about you guys, or like, just like in the, the heaviness of like, they're going through it. And I wish I could do even more. I, I just love my group so much, right? Like our small group leaders are amazing. And they're giving you the all access pass to their experience, to their wisdom, to their time, like why would you leave that on the table? Having a mentor or mentors is an incredibly powerful tool in your life. Check this out. In 1 Thessalonians, um, it's, this is written from Paul. It's, it's the perspective of a mentor. Here's, here's what they said. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we've cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. I know our small group leaders, and that is the heart. Right, like they love you. They are so proud of you. Um, They care for you. They want to nurse you. It says like a mother at the beginning. It says like a father at the bottom. Right. It says that they toil for you, guys. Like if you are in a small group already, please like text or call your small group leader today and just thank them for all of the investment that they put into you because it's costly, right? Like they could be anywhere on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night, and they choose week after week to give that time to you. Um, and some nights it's like breakthrough and some nights it's like everyone in my group was so squirrely. We didn't cover anything. We barely opened the Bible. I was so discouraged by the end of it. And they show up the next week cause they love you, right? It's a toil. It's a labor of love and they are there for you. Seek that kind of wisdom. Get like, like build your team with mentors who love you like that. And so if you're not in a small group, I just wanna encourage you, there are men and women who wanna invest in you in that way. Like literally, they sign up and the beat of their heart is to invest in you in that way. And if you don't have grownups in your life who do that, um, sign up for a small group. Okay, the last one that I wanna look at, and I'll invite the band to take the stage. Here's the thing. Number five, we sharpen each other and we call each other higher in that kind of a community. Um, Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Actually, here's like a fun bit of Calvary history. If you're in JD's small group, you probably already know this. Um, But for many years, years ago, HSM's small groups were called, anybody know? ISI's, who said that? Yeah, today. awesome, she knows her history. Small groups in high school ministry were called ISIs, right? And it was for this verse. It was this notion of iron sharpening iron, that when we get into relationship, like real meaningful relationship, that even when we allow like the friction, right? Like the way that you sharpen literal iron is with iron, right? Like the friction of it against itself smooths out the imperfections. It sharpens it, right? And it's this notion right here in Proverbs that when we get into community, we do that for each other. We make each other better. We call each other higher, right? That's what happens there. And so in a small group type community, here's what you'll find. You'll find encouragement. You'll find accountability. You'll find support. And you'll find healthy challenge that they won't call you out. They'll call you up. Right, and so here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to ask yourself if this sounds good. Does this sound like the sort of thing that you want in your life, whether you're in a small group already or not, or maybe you were in a small group and you stopped being a part of it, something else got in the way, or you just lost interest, or you weren't like vibing and didn't think like I'm gonna like double down on this and kind of like bring the best of me, or maybe um, your group just like wasn't a fit. That happens sometimes. And rather than be like I want to find a group that's a fit, you're like I'll just stop going, right? Or maybe you're here in the room and you've never been in a community like what we've been talking about today. Here's what I want to ask yourself. Do you in your life want all the benefits of inviting people other in, right? Like there is risk involved in letting people in to what's going on in your heart, in your mind, in your life, but there is so much more benefit if you choose the right people to be in that journey with you. Do you want those benefits in your life? Do you want to build a strong inner circle of friends, people that have your back, that know you and still choose you right, that are still like with you, thick or thin, that genuinely love you, they don't just like, they're not just impressed with a version of you that you've crafted, right, like they know you and they love you, do you want that in your life? Do you wanna see in other people and experience in yourself real life change? Do you wanna acquire wisdom for life? Do you wanna have mentors? Do you wanna be sharpened and called higher? I would encourage you, if you're already in a small group, Small groups start in September. Keep going, like be just as committed. Don't lose focus. Don't go off path. That is a gift you give yourself, being in a community like that. Sometimes we treat it as like, oh that'll be the nice thing that I'll add if I have time or if I'm not busy. I would challenge you, make it a priority because it will add exponential blessing to your life. Um, if you haven't been a part of a small group uh, consistently, maybe you're in a group and you stopped, um, I want to encourage you, um, click back in, call up your leader, shoot a text. Maybe you're still in the group chat. And you've just been kind of like silently observing things. I know every group chat has a few of those where it's like, oh, this person's still in here. Maybe that's you. I would encourage you click back in. It will bless your life. If you have never been in a group like this, sign up. This fall, Registration is open now, literally. Like you can go on to our Instagram, hit that link tree. Sophia just cleaned it up. It looks extra nice. Thank you, Sophia. You can go on our website, calvarywestlake.org slash high school. You'll find it there. Um, Here's what I'll say. If if this is not your church home, if you're just visiting us today, maybe you're here from out of town or maybe there's a different church. Find a small group at your home church. Like the point is be in a group where all of those benefits are on the table for you. It doesn't have to be here. If this isn't your church home, we're thrilled to have you as a guest, Um, but stay connected to home and be in a small group. And here's the dream, is when you graduate from high school, if you go off to college, find a small group, right? Like this week, a lot of our recent graduates are going off to school. Uh, and that's like the, I know, it's a cry emoji, right? I've uh, Got like a lot of, lot of goodbyes coming up. Um, but here's the deal. Um, the decisions they make in the first few weeks of school will chart the course for their college experience, right? When you graduate and you go off to school, find a small group. It will bless your life. When you enter the working adult life, guys, find a men's group. Girls, find a women's group. When you get married, find a couple's group, right? Like life change happens in relationship. Be about it. Don't stop. Don't stop being in community. Don't stop being known. Don't stop growing in your faith. It's on the table. It's for you and it's blessing. Let's pray and then we'll worship. Jesus, thank you so much for this group of people. Thank you for this church that we can be connected to, that we can love each other, we can cheer each other on. And God, thank you for small groups. Thank you for the leaders of our small groups, for the men and women um, who have just poured out because of love, love for you and love for the students in this room. And God, I pray for the small group leaders who don't know yet that they're gonna be 2023, uh, 2024 small group leaders. God, would you bless them, would you draw them in Um, and would you give them a confidence and assurance that that's what's for them. God, I pray for the people in this room um, who are in a small group, God, would they be blessed by it? The people who need to re-engage, would they be motivated to do it? And God, the people that have never experienced all of the blessings we've talked about today, God, would you just unload those blessings into their life when they're brave to step forward and say, I'm in, send me. And so God, we love you. Um, You're the best part of our life, uh, whether we know it or not. And so, God, would you encounter us in worship right now? Would we encounter you? God, would we minister to your heart with our praises? We love you, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Calvary HSM podcast. We would love if you could connect with us on social media using the handle at CalvaryHSM805 on Instagram or going to our website, calvarywestlake.org slash HSM we always have fun things going on and we want you to be a up-